Welcome to the Center of Our Fathers podcast. I'm your host, Mark Kuhn, joined as always by my oldest brother, Michael Kuhn. Live and in person. In studio this time, and my middle brother, Matthew Kuhn. Hey, guys. Big win this week. This win is brought to you by Barbasol. Two in a row. row. Barbasol Shave Club featuring the premium Ultra 6 Plus Razor. Barbasol, it's the brand trusted by men for nearly 100 years to deliver a close, a clean, and a comfortable shave. Visit Barbasol.com today to join the Barbasol Shave Club. Use discount code BROWNS at checkout. Receive $2 off your initial shave kit order. Barbasol brought us that win. Let's go. Let's Woo-hoo! go, Browns. When's the last time we won two games in a row? A long time ago. That was one of the streaks that got broken. I saw a graphic about that. Oh, I can't imagine the last time we <laughs> I'm serious. And I got to say, that was a weird... Like Eric Mangini era? Like, I've... It's been so Did we long. win two in a row? We probably won. We won two in a row with Petten on that season with Brian it Hoyer was in them. That would be when it was. That was 2013, that season. We traded Trent Richardson away that year. It's very frustrating for us. We all <laughs> Matthew told me he was going to quit being a Browns fan and become a Colts fan. We talked on the phone that day. I remember that. I've never been more mad. <laughs> I really wow. Also mad. more wrong. This is our first winning streak, winning two games in a row, since the 2014 regular season. We were okay. right around there. When we won... Between week three in a row, between weeks eight and week ten. I think that was the Titans game and that Falcons game that we went to that year. Oh, it says in 14, not 13? Yeah. Like, I'm remembering the year wrong. Okay. Yep. Those, those were some good games. We went, those, those were, were some great, great games. games. We got a great picture after that Falcons victory. We do. We were very excited. That's Kyle sitting in my Shanahan office. Shanahan years. <laughs> yeah. All right. That was fantastic. All right. So. We we got to be positive here. We don't get to be positive very often. Um, and um, Grandpa was pretty positive. We got a chance to call him um, just a second ago. So here you go. Listen to that. Hello. Hey, Grandpa. It's Matthew. How <laughs> you doing, Matthew? I'm doing great. I was worried you'd be asleep. Oh, no, no. I want to come right to the Titans game here. <laughs> Aren't you watching it? Yeah, no, we are watching the game. Um, but we wanted to call you, talk about the game yesterday. <laughs> oh yeah, I I I uh, I I loved it when the uh, uh, the game was super. I talked to your dad yesterday. We had a long talk about it. I uh, <laughs> I I, re- I really enjoyed it, uh, but I. Uh, and I hope that the Browns don't get into the into the pattern of playing the first half. They didn't play. They didn't play the second half of the third quarter, and they forgot to play on the fourth quarter. And if they're lucky, they're lucky they come out of that game the way they were playing in the fourth quarter. Because I don't think they gained. I don't think they gained fifty yards in the fourth quarter. I didn't. I didn't think anything. But they were. They uh, this uh, this this backup quarterback was really doing a job on them. Yeah, they were trying to run the clock out. I mean, and they did that successfully. They ran the clock out, and we had such a big lead. I, it it just felt weird because I don't think we're used to being in that situation ever. 
Well, yeah, but don't forget they 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 called a penalty on him, or and then when they they completed the pass, it was on about the three yard line, and they called it back for a penalty. Remember, and that was at the end of the late the fourth quarter. Yeah, but they were down fifteen at that point. I don't. I think it was still well in hand. Well, I think that they. I think that they had to really uh, uh, bide their time, and like you said, they had a lead. But by God, you know those leads could vanish in a heartbeat. And uh, I, I was really uh, hoping they could hang on, but they they just seemed to not not play very well in the fourth quarter again. I, A true I Browns mean, fan, never content. No, well, no, Grandpa. What, let's talk positive. What was your favorite part of the game? Let's <laughs> see who was who was it that that uh, the quarterback gave the ball called ball to Huey to, to Hugh Jackson, <laughs> Demarius Randall. Hi. I mean, instead of a pick six, <laughs> he, he gives the ball to Hugh Jackson. <laughs> I, I mean, that was a that was a classic thing. Uh, I mean, that was a, that was a real slap. I, I, I'm surprised. <laughs> you know, but here's the, here's the thing that you know everybody that I mean uh, the the guys they the guys they got like. Uh, like you know, the, the Freddie Kitchens and everything, they, they got these guys as the interim uh, head coach and the offensive coordinator. They had these. Jackson had these guys, and for some reason, he never utilized them to their full potential. All of a sudden, he's gone, and uh, you know, all of a sudden, he's gone, and they're they're playing great lights out. Yep. You know. Uh, you know, the first thing is Hugh Jackson. When he came, when he came over to the Browns, they were losers. They were they were losers all the time. Ever since they had him here, you know, he goes he goes over to the to the to the uh, um, Bengals for a couple of games, and all of a sudden they start losing again. It, it, seems, <laughs> it, you know, it seems like he it seems like he's bad news. <laughs> no doubt, he's the common huh? denominator. No doubt. Yeah, all of a sudden when he's when he's on the team, they don't win. <laughs> uh, but it was it was it was really gratifying. I'm telling you, I just I was just uh, hoping against hope that they would hang on and uh, and not let the game get away in the fourth quarter. I was really concerned about that because I thought they were they were playing they were pretty lax. I thought, and it's. It's the way they play. You know, they, they, those things haven't changed too much. What do you think about Baker Mayfield and how he played? Were you happy well, with I think that? He's, oh, yeah. I think, I think the guy's doing a great job. You know, and I think that uh, uh, I think they got, a new, they got a new left tackle, didn't they? Uh, they've been starting Greg Robinson for the last three games, so they, I think. So they've, 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 had some, they've had some improvements on that because uh, they haven't been getting killed back there. And that's a, that's a, that's a big thing, you know. That can keep him from getting knocked out and killed. They're going to do very well, and they—he hasn't been—he hasn't been sacked the last couple three days, three games, right? Something like that. That's he wasn't yesterday, yeah, and he wasn't no. the game before that either. Yeah, yeah. So it it worked out real well, you know. If they can, if they can keep get that offensive line and get them to do what they're supposed to do, I think that Baker Mayfield it can be a very, very good quarterback well do you want want Greg Williams to stay on as our head coach grandpa well I'm I'm 
thinking, I, you know, I was, I was chirping about Bill Cower, you know, <laughs> you guys, you guys, yeah. I know you guys laugh, but, <laughs> but, it, but, you know, they got John Gruden out of the, out of the booth when they dangled a lot of green in front of him. I think that, I think that anybody could get Cower out of that booth if they dangled enough green in front of him. <laughs> but, <laughs> but I think, I think we might have the a coach that we, uh, we might have the, Coach and the offensive coordinator that we that we got, I think that they might prove that prove to be fairly good. I you know I don't think that uh, at this point if if they have a halfway decent win win about two or three games yet or something, I think there'd be a slam dunk that they would they would keep their their coaches here. What do you think? I think they have to go. We got five games left. I honestly yeah. think they have to win four of those games for Greg Williams to oh, have a chance. Oh, oh. To have what? Whatever chance of what? To have a chance of staying on. Oh. Uh, I think he's really got to sweep it and like go over the top because I I'm pretty sure they're gonna go in a different direction. Well, I sure as hell hope they don't go to some damn college coach because they never make it. I mean, not never, but very few of them make it in the NFL. They're just they're just not geared to the NFL. I can't argue you with know? you. And I think that they got. I think they have to go to a proven. A, a proven uh, NFL coach, and uh, I, I know they were talking about this. They were talking about Bayfield's coach over in Oklahoma. There, uh, I, right. you know, uh, <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> yeah, you know, I they, would. They, they, I wouldn't hate if they went with a offensive coordinator or something like that that came from college. But I would prefer a NFL coach with um, head coaching yeah. or with NFL experience. Absolutely, absolutely. I think it's. I think it's a slam dunk. But the way the Browns are playing, they can't afford if they if they start taking a couple steps forward, they can't go and start taking several steps backward again with some college uh, coach. I just I, I I think that they'd really they'd, they'd really be up in arms with the fans if they did that. I think they need a good solid coach, you know. And uh, I I don't know, you know, I, I don't know who the hell would be available. Uh, you know, here look at look at these these uh, Texans. You know, they got they got this damn Romeo Cannell over there. <laughs> you know, he's he's a born loser. He's a, you know he, 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 he was he was never a good coach. He was you know these guys these guys have a, uh, are under the coaches. They have a they were their offensive or defensive coordinator. Maybe they're not too bad. Put them in a, in the position of a head coach, and they they just can't cut it. Uh, uh, and this huge. I I I was reading that that they're uh, they're really jumping up and down about getting rid of Lewis in in in, uh, in Cincinnati and getting dumping his ass because he's been he's been uh, he has been playing that well. You know he's he's going downhill, and and there's some talk about about Hugh Jackson taking his place. Now, can you imagine that? It'd be a dream come true. <laughs> I can't imagine. I said I can't believe because I went, I went on the interstate. I went on the Cincinnati Inquirer. I did the same thing today. I read all the Cincinnati articles about the game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was doomsday. It was really something else. I wanted, I wanted to see how, how, uh, how the thinking was on the other side of the fence, and and, uh, that's why I was, I was kind of surprised that they're, they're after, that they're after Lewis's neck, and they wanted, they're thinking of putting. Uh, Jackson, I can't believe that. Geez, that would be 
Well, that would be great for us. But... That, that would get us motivated for two games a year for sure. <laughs> that sounds great. Yeah. We'll okay, talk to you guys. later. Good, good talk to you. Thanks for telling Okay, bye. All right, bye. see it. So uh, we, we called Grandpa just now tonight. It's Monday night whenever we're recording the podcast. Um, but we also got a sweet little snippet of Grandpa's pure elation and excitement. He mellowed quite a bit since we talked to him yesterday, <laughs> which was kind of a spur of the moment thing. It was halftime. We were elated. like, And we all watched the game with our dad at Dad's house. And so Dad had to call Grandpa like at halftime because it was just going so well. A slaughtering is what it was. Um, and we are we have to apologize to the listeners because... You really missed out on a gem of a phone call and an interaction with Oh, I Grandma. thought you were about to apologize because you were going to repeat what he was saying. Oh, no, but that probably... <laughs> that probably warrants <laughs> probably, an apology, yeah, too. Yeah, I wasn't about to go that far. I thought I this think... was like a content warning. No. Viewer discretion is advised. <laughs> um, but, Mark, go ahead and tell him. Um, <laughs> just give him a little taste of what Grandpa had to share with us uh, well, well, well. yesterday. So dad called him and he picked up and he just, it was right after the Demarius Randall handed the ball to Hugh Jackson. He just went off on a tangent. You know how he does. He's just cracking up, laughing, dying. He's like, oh, oh, that was fantastic. He handed that ball to that dumbass. Like all this stuff about Hugh Jackson. I forget. What was it specifically that he said? He said he, he, said he really shoved it up his ass and broke it off of him. <laughs> The ultimate disrespect. <laughs> Shove it up, break it off. <laughs> Leave it there. It's so bad. Uh, it was is, so is that excited. like an old saying or something? Or did Grandpa just make that so. up? I don't, that's... It's always hard to tell. <laughs> uh, anyways, we were rolling the entire time. And we were devastated that we didn't get it recorded because that's what, honestly, we've been told time and after time that that's what the listeners want is they want more grandpa. And it's a little bit of a pride hit, you know, that they don't want more of us, but I, it's understandable. It is oh, understandable. Um, that was certainly the high of the game at halftime when we were absolutely dominating. Um, but there was all sorts of great moments. Uh, Michael, what was your favorite part of the game? Hmm. After a win, some positive thinking. I think it had to be the Nick Chubb catch over the defender. Just like it, I don't think I've ever experienced everything going right for the Browns. And it felt like that was like the pinnacle of everything going right. The pass over the defender, Nick Chubb, who's not our running back known for his hands. Not that he can't catch, but just you would never expect him to make that sort of a play. And getting our fourth touchdown to go up 28 to zero against our in-state rival. I mean, it was just beautiful. So that had to be it. For me, it was watching Njoku try to dive from the... No, not dive even. More like hurdle from the five-yard line into the end zone. Not come close, but end up scoring anyway because the offensive line came in and with a little assist on the back end. My favorite part of that play was it was clear that the Bengals were just defeated. Like, they didn't try. They there stopped. were multiple it was like, ah, Bengals... Shit. They didn't in, drive him in the ground. They didn't. They were right there in position, and it was just like, ah, he should go down, right? Like, we're, yeah. And just the effort wasn't there. The Browns out-efforted the Bengals in we that broke particular them. instance. 
He broke them. Which is fantastic. Or know. Hugh Jackson broke them. One of the two. I don't, I don't really know. The Hugh Jackson effect. Um, I it's wasn't, very potent. It is. It's, it's a, <laughs> one of the most powerful forces of nature. <laughs> Taxes and the slow decay of time. Hugh Jackson being a loser. Um, all of those things. Um, so this actually, this was like the most, the biggest reaction that I had during the game was when Demarius Randall intercepted that ball and just handed it to well, Hugh Jackson. We didn't because notice it until the replay. When they showed the replay, whenever yeah. it came back, they yeah. showed it the replay. As soon as we came back from the commercial break, they showed it. And we just, I stood up and I was like, oh my God. And all of our wives didn't have any idea what was going on. And so made us rewind it so they yeah. could watch. <laughs> and they still, they still they didn't, really, didn't understand. really know what the the gravity of that situation which is like it's just the most savage thing that you could ever do he just so kindly handed it to Hugh and I gotta so the football gods were working in our favor because he went out of bounds and he was right there like it was like the perfect placement he didn't even have to go out of his way to give it to Hugh Jackson like he went out of bounds and Hugh was right there I'm not condoning what I, I think that was kind of a jerk move by Demarius Randall. It was pretty. It was very savage. It was awful. And poor Hugh Jackson. Savage Sunday. Yes, it was Savage Sunday. And poor Hugh Jackson. After that happened, his sad face got put on the screen so many times <laughs> in the next ten minutes of that game when they were losing by like 25 points, whatever it was. They just kept showing Hugh Jackson, and he just had a big frown on his okay, face. Okay, here's a legitimate question. If you're Hugh Jackson in that scenario, what is your reaction? What do you do? You, I mean, first, you're huge. You you signed up for this by like taking the Bengals job, sure. So so I don't really feel bad. But you there, you can't do anything. You can't do anything. Like, like you can't react because. Do you accept the football though? Like I don't. I don't think like, I you would. Can't, be, you can't I don't think I would like hit him in the face or like try to start a fight or anything like but that. But you can't even like slap it out of his hands. Like what do you? It's I a, would slap it out of his hands. A, I would just like a, knock it off and not. But yeah. he he like accepted it. No, and then, and then gave him a pat on the helmet. No, okay. So he was the nicest guy in the world. <laughs> Could you imagine? You get disrespected on national TV like that, and you take the football and you go. I'm sure he said something like, "Thanks, Randall." Well, like Demarius said, <laughs> Demarius said, said thanks thank for you. the ball. No, Demarius said Hugh said thanks. Oh yeah, so Demarius, he actually did. Yeah, he, he said, actually did say thank you. Randall said he didn't. He he didn't say anything to Hugh, but Hugh go just said like thanks. <laughs> <laughs> it's an incredibly generous reaction from Hugh Jackson. It is to his credit. To his credit, that to is incredibly credit. generous. The politician, as Matthew stated last week. <laughs> yeah, he's he's a little bit unaware, like especially at the end of the game with like the Baker Mayfield thing. Like going and trying to like shake his hand, give him like a bro hug. Like a more aware person would just know, like, maybe I don't go out there in the spotlight. Like, just just go to the locker room. You're like the special assistant to the head coach for no, the Cincinnati Bengals. No, just but like, Hugh yeah. Jackson, the only thing he cares about is everyone liking him. I know, but that's I'm, the only thing he cares I know, about. But I'm saying and that he he's wants not to be attached at the hip. With Baker Mayfield, because in his mind, Baker Mayfield was like his pick, and he wants to be a part of that. And it's quite clear that Baker doesn't want any part of that. Yeah. Quite clear. It's quite clear. Like, he he literally kept Hugh at an arm's length. Hugh tried to go in, and he kept that arm stiff. Which... which it was a straight up... Which, total respect, because I think he, we've all been put in those situations where, like, 
something happens to us like in the moment that's uncomfortable and you kind of just go with it because you don't like Cave think to the fast pressure. enough, you know? Like somebody makes a joke that you're just like, ugh, but you like don't have the wherewithal to be like, yeah, don't do that. Or or, or the content of character. Yes. <laughs> to stand up. And that's what Baker has. Okay, okay. My point though, too, going even further, is that indicates how much he dislikes Hugh. Oh, oh yeah. because, because like it, it was that intentional. He thought about you know it. what I mean? Like yeah. you have to like really know that you don't want to engage any further with someone to like actually take that step. Oh, and man. then he stood back. Pretty yeah. strong. It's pretty. Oh, yeah. It's a pretty strong dislike to not even want to like hug someone who wants to hug you. Like yeah. that's quite. Just give you a quick little pat. Like it's yeah. not like he's saying like. Yeah. Com- He's not like he's like committing to a whole coffee. Yeah. Like it's like this isn't a whole what was, meeting. What was great is immediately after Hugh walked away, Baker hugged Joe Mixon. Like, <laughs> like yeah. the guy with a real high character fella there, Joe they, Mixon. They were, they were, on the, they they were, were teammates, teammates at in Oklahoma. Yeah. I know. But well, so I think but that, still it's kind of funny. I mean, I, I guess Montez Perfect would be better. <laughs> <laughs> that would be a statement. <laughs> That would be a statement if he's dapping it up with Vontez right after he ignores you. Uh, but my favorite part is he stuck with that train of thought. Like, even in the postgame press conference when people asked about him, asked about that situation, he stated clearly. He was like, well, um, I we played for him. He tried to get us to play for this Browns team, tried to get us hyped up to be a Brown, and then he left and went to these divisional rivals who were going to play twice more. So that's how I feel about it. Yeah, straight up, and and it's not and just he, that. And he wasn't like whining about it. He wasn't. He was just like, "That's the facts. That's that's the facts. How that's how I feel about it. I don't like him because he's going and playing for, and coaching for a divisional rival. But I think that what he's doing there is that has to be a thought with how we just played this Sunday. That has to be the overall mentality. I was hearing Rich Eisen talk about it of the locker room as a whole, and he's speaking to the media about it. And he has the cojones to actually say that to the media. What do you do if you're a Browns player who you hear your quarterback say that? You're like, yeah, that's exactly how I feel. Let's go. That's my leader. I'm going to get behind that guy. He's telling it like it is. I think it's fantastic. Yeah, no, I love it too. Because he said it. It's the tone in which he says it too, where it's not like completely disrespectful. He's just saying, this is my perspective on like where I'm coming from. Yeah. On this. I loved it. I loved it. Because he wasn't trying to pick a fight. You can do whatever you want. He wasn't trying to pick a fight. Somebody asked him about it, and so he answered it, like, in a very straightforward manner, not trying to, like, ruffle any feathers, just like, yep, that's really, that's the way it is. And... Yeah, and people made a story about it. They're like, Baker's talking trash about him after the game, throwing him under the bus. It was like, no, someone asked him a question, and he answered it. Yeah. No. Straight up, it wasn't... You could be more diplomatic if you, like, felt the... Yeah, but I don't think he needs to. But he doesn't. To. Yeah, he doesn't. He doesn't ever feel the need to be diplomatic just for the sake of diplomacy. Yeah, people quiet. in the Midwest in Ohio love that sort of thing. Oh yeah, it's like exactly oh, yeah. how they're wired. It's, it's the antithesis it. of how Hugh Jackson is wired, which is yeah. probably why they didn't get along. Yeah, my favorite is though that all the stupid people in the media talking about. Oh, Baker's talking about this. He went from Texas Tech to Oklahoma, like division rivals. Like first take was talking about this. Like there, there's a that was like the the hot take mm-hmm. of the morning. Classic first, take. and it's so stupid. And so he was res- Baker, which he probably doesn't need to be getting into these battles. But on Instagram, was 
went after Damian Woody because he was the guy who had that take. Um, and it was basically just chewed him out. It was like, I didn't even have a scholarship at Texas Tech. Like, what? <laughs> yeah, what was I, what, supposed, what was to I supposed to do? Like, yeah. keep paying my way at Texas or Texas Tech just to be there? Yeah, it's, it's, it's just lazy. Yeah. All right, let's uh, let's gloat more about this football game. Let's see the parallels, though. I think so. There's a handful of things that stick out to me about this game, um, but the biggest thing to me is we scored touchdowns, didn't settle for field goals, like executed to perfection. You know who's happy about that? Greg Joseph. He's <laughs> like, thank God. Yeah, no, I thought you were about to say Greg Williams, and yeah. I was like, yeah, duh. <laughs> I mean, that was true last week too. I think we even mentioned it, or last game, and it makes the big. It just makes the biggest difference in the world. I just feel like for so long as Browns fans, we're used to getting down towards the red zone and settling for field goals. Yeah, and that's not happening. Here's a, here's a stat for you. Okay, in the last three games since Greg Williams has been coach. We have converted in our red zone opportunities ten for ten touchdowns. That's ridiculous. One hundred percent. That's not sustainable, but awesome. But no, <laughs> I, <laughs> that is insane. M- Matthew, say your piece. What is that? It's a sample size issue. There we for go. sure. <laughs> for sure. I mean, but ten. I mean, three games to sustain that is phenomenal. Yeah, it's phenomenal. No, I mean, you can't have a complaint about how Freddie Kitchens has run his offense. We, we've been good about in just about every aspect. I mean, I was loving... We were spread out more in this game than we have in any game this whole year, even with Hugh Jackson. Hugh Jackson, we would be throwing so deep. Yeah. But today, this week, you saw like four and five wide receiver sets left and right. And you're using the full, the full depth of the field. You're yeah. short, medium, deep... Like you're seeing Baker spray the ball around, throwing into open windows <clears throat> instead of some of these Hugh Jackson routes where it's like there's three wide receivers running out on a route. So they had the coaches film up early today. So I watched oh, the first. They, I watched the first. Oh, half. why didn't you text us? I wanted to watch the the Sorry, I Demarius didn't Randall interception and see if he actually had a pick six. He didn't actually have a pick six. <laughs> I thought it was hilarious that Jabril Pepper said that because he did not have <laughs> no, a pick. You six. can see he was surrounded by yeah, three. There guys was like a guy coming at his side and another guy coming like at his front, and he's like, "Yeah, it's probably better if I just step out of bounds." It's like, "Oh, Hughes, right here!" Like that. That is clearly what happened. Oh <laughs> like, my. <laughs> I also want to know what Randall was going to do if he got a second interception. Because Randall said he was planning on getting two. And giving them both to Hugh? Like, imagine. That would have been, imagine. Uh, That would have started a fight. Like, the Bengals players would have started fighting. Rightfully so. I mean, (laughs) But to your point about them using, like, every level of the field on offense... There were multiple plays where when you get that behind the quarterback view... It's like there's four guys open, like right now. Like he, he there were options for Baker. Like yeah. the, the Bengals, scheme the Bengals, was getting guys open, the and it was are phenomenal. A dumpster fire, right now though. Oh. Real bad. Oh yeah. Well, Hugh Jackson's coaching their defense, so there's the offensive that. guru, the quarterback, <laughs> the quarterback guru. Yeah, the Bengals are a dumpster fire, but it's good that when we play a dumpster fire. We dominate. We have four wide receivers open and are just killing it. Like, I have no doubt in my mind that we would have beat the Raiders, which we did beat, and the Bucks at least. 
Oh. If Freddie Kitchens is calling our offense. How nice would that be? Oh my gosh. It'd be six four and one? Yeah, we'd be in the playoffs in a playoff spot right now. <sighs> right ahead um, of the Ravens. So oh my, w- my instant reaction after the game was about the second half offense. It was just confused. I mean, I completely understand that we wanted to run out the clock and weren't gonna be too aggressive when we were up, you know, thirty five to seven. What do you what do you think about like Freddie Kitchens making that decision because I mean I, it worked. Okay it, it, it worked. It was no, the right I'm decision. I'm okay with but... it. You need to run the clock out. It's not the most fun thing to watch as a fan. You'd rather them like really like stomp on their throat. Uh, but I would have want... been a little more aggressive. I, I would have been a little more aggressive too. They were way too predictable. What, what Baker only threw like three passes in the second half or um, something like that. Five, five passes. Okay, in the second half, plus so, or minus. That's not true. There was a few more in the second half. So I looked at all the drives after that touchdown. So the Bengals got the ball to start the second half. We only had two plays on that first touchdown drive, though. One of them was a pass for a touchdown, though. Yeah. Um, so after that, then, we had basically four drives, if you don't count the kneel-down drive. And um, and on those drives, almost all of them were run-run pass and that was the cadence. Yeah, and that's the only reason I would be more... It was a run on first down every single time. Yeah, and that's the only reason I would be more aggressive in, in those, that like second or third drive there when you, you've kind of tried to, to run the ball. Yeah. I mean, that's... We at least needed to run to the boundary, like run, like spread it out, maybe run some draws, like do do something else. We were, we were running these dives, these kind of stretch plays, and yeah. they were just loading It wasn't box. going anywhere. Yeah. We were running against eight-man yeah. boxes left and right, and it was the same thing over Run and over a again. wide receiver screen, something like that. We only like, ran like a- on second down on those four drives. We only passed on second down on those four drives one time. Yep. I mean, it was I know, the I, same thing over and over I know you run the again. risk of it being an incomplete pass, but like a wide receiver screen in that situation with, with like a high probability completion, you get even if it only goes for two yards, you get tackled, whatever. Yeah. And Duke but Johnson you, was absent. Yeah. Like, why – Run a possession with Duke as your lead back. So you know that, what I mean? Like we ran almost thirty times with Nick Chubb in this game. Because why do you of all think? This. Why do you think that was? I was I was wondering if he was injured in the second half or was it just like they situation- played him at receiver a ton in the first half. He was situational football and us being ahead, so you're not going to give him a bunch of carries where he could get beat up or. What do no, you think about that? I don't understand why. I don't think he got hurt. I haven't seen anything where he, there was an injury concern. They were playing him a ton in the slot in the first half, and I think they didn't have any of those wide sets. But my point is, why not put him as the lead back in the backfield, give Chubb a series off, and then you can move him out wide. You've got a lot more options to like run some screen passes and all sorts of different things. Chubb I just think need you a series off. I mean, he doesn't need a series off, but why not give him a series? He almost ran the ball thirty times in this. Yeah, season. that is a, that is a lot. And Dick Johnson only ran it twice. Yeah, so. I think that's a way to keep the defense on their toes when you're trying to run the clock out. Like, use your running back depth. Yeah. That that would be one option. I think it's also tough when you're up, like, in a strange way, it's tough when you're up 35 to 7. And you're you know? not used to it. You don't know what to do. Well, you, you don't know what to do. <laughs> I but didn't also, know what to like, do as a fan. But also, really, the goal is just win the game, and that happened, and, like, yeah, you you're just no, so scared of doing something that gives them a slightest chance to get back into it, and so at the end of the day, we're just not used to watching a team 
try to kill off the game and just kind of bleed everything out. Yeah. I think that's what it is because I really wasn't. I didn't I know what to do. I am looking forward to getting used to this feeling. I didn't know what to do in that second half when we weren't really doing anything. We weren't really trying to do anything. But also, that's not what any of these other teams do. That's not what Sean McVay does with the Rams. They're not ever trying to bleed the clock out after they're ahead. I just by think like you don't think about it because you know that. I just think that when you're watching a game that's not your team, like and somebody's up by three touchdowns, you're like, oh, whatever happens next doesn't matter. Like, and you know that. And so it's just like, ah, I think that it but, does happen. But like, I mean, in the Kansas City Rams game, whenever the Rams are up by a touchdown at the end of the game and then they threw the ball three times, yeah, twice. And, and that was a disaster. And that was a disaster. <laughs> and then they punted the ball away and gave Pat Mahomes another chance. And then he threw an interception, so, so it what didn't are you, matter. So what but, are you asking for? Are you asking for Sean McVay style play calling or are you asking for winning? I'm asking for, well, Sean McVay still won that game. I'm asking for Sean McVay style play calling. I'm just proposing the argument that most of the other offensive minds, that's not what they're doing. I'm not com- complaining in any I way. I think that's a different situation. I would I would argue that that's a different situation where that was a one score game and we were up by multiple scores. And so you you're not going to be that aggressive, but I do agree. I, I hope that the coaches look back at this offense and say, "Wow, we really were way too predictable." And we need to mix it up a little bit more in these situations. Yeah, maybe now they can put I mean, like a play package together for late in the game <laughs> when they're when they're like winning, you know. Yeah. And it's like, oh no, we we could the victory package. We could do this, this, and this, you know, which is high percentage throws. Something that and... there's not a chance we would have spent time like even thinking about preparing right in weeks past. Right. So maybe we'll need that this week against the Texans. I don't know. This, this Texans team looks pretty good. What? You think maybe we'll need the victory package? Hopefully. Hopefully we'll need the victory package. Um, so what about the defense? Like, the they basically held them to nothing in the first half. There was a late touchdown heading into the half. And then the second half, it Jeff Driscoll had some amazing passes. And well, the receivers had some amazing catches. Yeah. Am, I, um, am I wrong to think that our defense was just very vanilla? Like, like I, it didn't really have that, like, Greg Williams No, like, they weren't flare. super aggressive. But I guess when you get out to a really early lead, it doesn't make sense to take big risks, you know, trying to, like, have splash plays. Yeah, because you're also trying, like, in those first couple drives, you're trying to kind of feel out what they're trying to do. And we kind of just took advantage of nothing. We kind of just took advantage of Andy Dalton's mistakes. I mean, yeah. like, that interception was just a terrible throw. Yeah. Like, the receiver was pretty open and he just way overthrew him and it went right to Randall. I will say that we didn't have much of a defensive pass rush throughout the entire game. Not as much as I would have liked. And I think it's because we played really vanilla and didn't send many blitzes. It was kind of like four man rushes. Dalton all over the place. To be fair, Dalton also leads the league in like the time to throw. So he, he gets the ball out faster than any quarterback on average. And if you, if you go back and watch this game or any Andy Dalton game, you'll notice he gets that ball, he looks, one, two, boom, gone. And there really isn't much of a shot to, to pour in on the pass rush. I was incredibly annoyed, and I made this comment a bunch of times when we were watching, at how many times Miles beat the left tackle, whether it was Jake Fisher or Cedric Abue in the second half, and got literally, like, the left, he completely beat the guy, 
and he had a whole arm wrapped around his neck as he's going after the quarterback. He gets held all the time, and I don't watch there must other have been like four premier plays. pass rushers and see if if they don't get those calls. But it feels like he's not getting any calls. It's terrible, and I don't know. I don't know if he needs to be more vocal or if our coaching staff needs to be more vocal and like advocate on his behalf. I mean, but it was unbelievable. Somebody asked Miles at the end of the game if he was happy with his performance, and he said he'd be a lot more happy if he actually finished some of those sacks. Like he was pissed that he didn't get some of those, which is well, great. I well, appreciate there, that. There was some that were open, and he could have had. There's that one yeah. where Driscoll spun out of it, yeah. which I would appreciate Miles being more athletic than Jeff Driscoll, but can't have it all. Um, but he like he like slowed up on that. I wonder how much of that is being worried about getting called for a penalty. Like he kind of slowed up and like squared him up mm-hmm. in, instead of just like plowing through him. And that really split second gave the opportunity for Driscoll to peel out of that. I agree. You could see the hesitation. Like he was coming and. Where you're trying not to just drive right through him. Like I feel like a Miles <laughs> that isn't worried about like driving the quarterback into the ground and getting a penalty call because that's, that's not good for the team, which I, I, so I appreciate him trying to like. Yeah, yeah. Adjust because sure. there's no point in sacking the quarterback <clears throat> if you're going to get a 15 yard penalty. Yeah. So the interesting thing to me is how this game is going to go the second time we meet the Bengals in Week 16. At home. after at home after all of this drama around this game. Oh, Hugh after is, the Hugh thrashing. Hugh is going to get like the fans. He should stay in the box. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to call the defense from the box. <laughs> he is going to be abused in Cleveland. He's going to need. A caravan to yeah. get him from the airport to bottles of wherever urine he's staying. will be thrown. <laughs> but like, with, so they're gonna. Can have we to... go? <laughs> we should. <laughs> it would be so fun if we like go on a nice little winning streak. I'm sure we could convince Dad to go up there with us. Oh yeah, it's like December twenty first or something. It's December twenty third. Um, <laughs> what, what else do we have going on? I was Christmas. planning on going to the Titans game. Um, so they they'll have AJ Green back. Um, with how they played in the second half, they uh, might but not they have Andy Dalton. They back. will not have Andy Dalton. Andy Dalton's on IR. Oh, really? Yeah. What happened to him? I Bro- didn't. It's actually... a broken thumb. Oh, jeez. Yeah. Oh, jeez. So Emmanuel Ogba, really? We are going to finish ahead of them in the division. Oh yeah. Well, I mean, I don't know. Driscoll looked way better than Andy Dalton did even before <laughs> he got hurt. I, I wouldn't say. Yeah, but there is that like effect where you're hyped you- up. You're hyped up, you come in, and you're not thinking about it. There's no expectation. And nobody has film on you, and nobody prepared to play against you. I think knowing what I know of Jeff Driscoll, which is way too much. <laughs> yeah, we're all Florida fans, so we've seen a lot yeah. of... And we all grew up in Oviedo. So yeah, like, yeah, where he's I've from. I've known about Jeff Driscoll for a long time. I'm not terribly concerned about him turning into a high-level <clears throat> NFL quarterback. Neither am I, but they're going to have... They're going to have A.J. Green, which we had trouble defending them in the second half. Granted, they were making incredible catches. but I feel so bad for Tyler Boyd that that catch had to come off of his highlight tape because there was a penalty. Oh, no, you put that on your highlight tape. It was <laughs> ridiculous. It was still that's a highlight. Like, that's like if it was a high school highlight tape, that would definitely still be on there. Oh, yeah. No doubt. Yeah, I feel like we have a good chance. Week 16, lock it up. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I would seriously be worried for Hugh Jackson because the fans, that's two and a half years of just utter frustration that are going to come out that week. 
and he got pinned for it all. Oh, and, yeah. And when it's all said and done, Hugh Jackson is going to take the fall for every single bit of that. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I, now that we're talking about it, I want to be there. Can we can we give Baker the love that he deserves in this game? I feel like we haven't really, like... He had seven incompletions. What do you want me to do? I know, but like we haven't Way really mentioned <laughs> how fantastic he was. He's a rookie quarterback, and he almost had a perfect like passer rating through the first half. It was what does it take to get a perfect passer rating? Because Philip Rivers didn't have a perfect passer rating, and he was twenty-eight for twenty-nine with three <laughs> touchdowns and no interceptions and like three hundred yards. <laughs> that's a good question. That sounds about like what twenty-eight would do it. for twenty-nine. Yeah, that's insane that you can be that accurate. Twenty-eight for twenty-nine is. Loco. Ridiculous. Yeah. Oh, man. So Baker, through the three weeks that Freddie Kitchens has been his offensive coordinator, has the second best passer rating in the NFL, only behind Drew Brees. His, who a lot of people have given his player comparison, yep. if he pans out throughout the entire. So a lot of reasons to be optimistic, a lot of reasons to be excited. Um, there was that one pass that he had to Rashard Higgins. Where he just dropped it pass. over. Yep. The touch pass where he just dropped it over. There was a Baker's, defender Baker's right in front of him. Baker's great at those. He, he did that in at Oklahoma all the time. But the thing about his game is that he's shown that he can put it on a line through windows over the middle of the field. He can put it on the sideline in the end zone like that pass he had to Callaway where he scrambled out. Was perfect. Felt the pressure coming. Stepped up directly into the space that he needed to. Scrambled outside. Tossed it to Antonio Callaway for 15 yards. Even the like Darren Fells touchdown, where he was literally wide open in the back of the end zone. When so you see the behind, throw. when you see the behind the quarterback view, it's like holy crap! Like that has to be a really perfect throw. Like it's got to be at just the right level to get over to the defense over and like be there. I mean, even when you see a guy like that, it it's just always impressive to me to see these guys and what it takes to be a successful quarterback. Yeah, it seems like he can do it. He even had that pass. He threw like 60, 65 yards in that game. It was incomplete. He overthrew. Oh, he way <laughs> but, overthrew Antonio Callaway. He got popped on that one, but he chucked the ball down there. Hey, but I think he's learned his lesson not to – You, it, it's tough to overthrow Antonio Callaway, but you're better off leaning that direction. Yeah, put some air under it. He'll find it. Um, agreed. Baker was fantastic in this game. I mean, I just um, think he, we're taking it for granted. Like, he's a rookie quarterback. Oh, I'm not taking and it And is granted. playing so, like, and doesn't have the best, you know, Talent receiving around core around him. It's only going to get better. Yeah. And I love how much he spreads the ball around. Like, there wasn't, there's, you can't look at one pass catcher and say, oh, that guy really made the difference for Nobody us. Nobody had more than five targets. I mean, it was a little bit of Duke. It was a little bit of Njoku. It was a little bit of Higgins. It was a Callaway. little bit of Landry. There was Callaway. Like, it was so evenly spread out. And, like, for a defense, that's just so hard to which, defend. Which Freddie Kitchens deserves a lot of credit sure. for that, too. But, sure. I mean, at the end of the day, Baker's out there making the reads, making the decisions to pull the trigger. Um, yeah, it's interesting since we've had the coaching change. Um, Landry's targets have dropped off precipitously. Like, it was, like, averaging, like, 12, 13, and now it's somewhere around, like, 7 per game in the last three games. Which is which is not how many targets you want like your $15 million a year wide receiver getting, but it's probably how many is like good to give Jarvis Landry. <laughs> so, I mean, 
that that's the biggest criticism that's still outstanding for John Dorsey is but you also can't argue with contract, results so. and if we get a good number one ride receiver outside it's going to be nice to have Jarvis Landry but it's still way too much money yeah you're absolutely right I but mean, we have we're going to see what happens we also you know we also we have way too much money we won the game yes we did um any other any disappointments from the game number one criticism we talked about positives let's do the full gamut yin and yang um i don't know if this is a criticism but this is just one other thing i wanted to mention we were at the point it was our third drive i think it was and we got down to about the 22 yard line first down our first down play was like a nine yard gain so it was like second and one at about the 22 we rammed into the line and got no gain back to back and then we went for it on fourth down we were up 14 to zero at the 22 and i was shocked that we didn't just kick the field goal and greg williams went for it and we barely made it he ran the ball again and we made it but that was like a significant point in the game to me because then a couple plays later we scored another touchdown and it's 21 to nothing instead of 14 to nothing giving them a chance to correct to 14 to 7 correct like huge swing in the game well, and what do you expect? It's Greg freaking after, Williams. After, That's what he does. He went for two every single time in his first game as a head coach. Savage Sunday. <laughs> Savage Sunday. He's going for it on fourth down. Which we've mentioned that a couple times. I don't know if everybody's he's seen He's aggressive on defense. He's aggressive on offense. He's an he's, aggressive freaking man. I, I, <laughs> Ask I, anyone who's met him. I, I do like that it's like this overall, like, like just like, theme of how he lives his life like it's a mantra it's it's so important to him to just be aggressive just attack 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 imagine being his freaking son (laughs) oh yeah great job great first steps i've been doing that for 40 years (laughs) pathetic (laughs) yeah but so it worked out but it seems like that's going to be a continual thing that he is going to do it i mean it worked out it was a bold move and it worked out there's no doubt about it but there's something to be said for believing in your team, and I, I'm always a fan of going for it on fourth down, almost always. Yeah, in that situation, I think on fourth and short. Yeah. So if you don't get it in that situation, I mean, they have the ball at the 21, 22 yeah. yard line. Like it's really not. You're not putting yourself in a bad position. Like no. you, you'd like to have the three points, obviously, if you if you didn't get it. But yeah. So what do you guys think? the chances that Greg Williams after this year stays the head coach of the Cleveland Browns, that John Dorsey decides that he's who he wants. How many games does he have to win? How many hearts does he have to woo? What's it going to be? We have five more games. Left. I said this on the call with grandpa. I, I really truly feel like he has to almost sweep all games. Maybe have one loss in any of these to have a chance to be the head coach. I mean, I, we're feeling good now because we've won two games in a row. But if he, like, splits them the rest of the way out, like, Greg Williams is a f- relatively known commodity. And I just don't – I think he'd re- he just really has to make a splash, I think, to, to have a real chance. My question is, at this point, is determining how much of this success is Greg Williams related? How much of it is – just not just Hugh Jackson. Freddie Kitchens or just not Hugh Jackson, you know? Or, like, play calling. Craig Williams could be doing nothing and be winning games. I mean, maybe. I mean, it's kind of a fair question. Like, you know what I'm saying? 
so I, I think you really have to evaluate like what is Greg Williams bringing to the table that's like causing this, and I, I think there's certainly a, a new mindset. I well, think there's the players, definitely things. The players are refreshed. Like I, I think that's all that. But then you ask yourself, is is that sustainable? Is that long term, or is it kind of a temporary effect? Right. And so that's what I worry about with Greg Williams. I mean, hell, if we go to the playoffs and like. I don't think you can make a change. Like, sign him to a short-term deal. Like, just keep it rolling. Figure out who's going to be your defensive coordinator next year. Oh, he won't give that up. No, I I completely agree. Is there is there a chance? That I mean, we, if something crazy happens and we go to the playoffs, if we I, go undefeated and we go to the playoffs, is there a chance that we do not keep Greg Williams? You you have to, right? You I think have you kind of have to. It's be really hard to move on. He's he's earned it at that point. Yeah, and, and I don't think the players. It's I the mean, players. My understanding of like, I've never been in an NFL locker room, but I mean, I'd be ticked. <laughs> my understanding. I'd be ticked <laughs> if like, oh, I would. Too. If I was there with the players and like, you have this yeah. coach that you like enjoy playing for, and you guys are having success, and the organization moves on, like you can't. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's fair. I mean, in coming from that mindset, I mean, maybe you can't if they keep winning games down the stretch and even fall short of the playoffs. I I don't know. I think everyone kind of knows that this is like a a temporary thing, and I don't think anyone expects him to be the coach next year, even in the locker room. But if you win six of your eight games, or you know, something like that, like then it's a different conversation. Pretty damn good. Yeah, then it's a different conversation. That is pretty damn good. I mean, I'm more interested, more than Greg Williams, I'm interested in the possibility of keeping Freddie Kitchens on as the offensive coordinator. So if this if this continues, I mean, that relationship between the offensive coordinator, the quarterback, and the per- offensive personnel and the offensive coordinator, I think is almost more important than, than just about anything. And especially to have someone like Freddie Kitchens who – he hasn't been an offensive coordinator before. They would jump on this opportunity and have a chance to keep him for a pretty good while before he gets hired away to go somewhere else. You would think, maybe. Um, people get hot, though, and stuff can happen quick in the NFL. You can get get a head coaching job quickly. I, I've been thinking about this today, how much credit the decision makers, whether it was Haslam or Dorsey, deserve for firing both those dudes. For firing Hugh Jackson and... Because how easy would it have been to just fire Hugh Jackson and keep Todd Haley around as wonder, the offensive coordinator? I wonder and what like, Todd I, Haley said in his, inter- in his like interview that day. His, they were just like, yeah, you're going to be fired too. No, but like that was a huge deal. Like If Kitchens doesn't go in and we don't have like a little bit of a different flavor with this offense, like none of this is happening. Yeah, that was true. And I don't think anybody expected both of those guys to be gone. In fact, I think most people in the NFL media were laughing at the Browns for firing both of those positions. Where are we right now with Todd Haley as our interim head coach? It's, it's tough to know. But it doesn't sound like people like Todd Haley. No. I mean, Baker Baker said in his postgame press conference that the difference is... They believe they, they, in the guys they, that are calling the place. Yeah. Which is a knock on Haley and a knock on Hugh. Because both have called plays this season. But 
And when you see people give no inches to the, there was clearly this struggle between Haley and Hugh consistently in the locker room. And when you see your leaders not give an inch to their contemporaries, to the person next to them, you, you lose respect for them. I mean, and that was going on continually. I, I agree with you, Michael. I think it's, it's a testament to whoever made those decisions to fire them both. It was either really good luck or they like are really smart. It was a heck of a decision, but it was the right one. Yeah. <laughs> It clearly got, was. Got some bad news for you, buddy boy. <laughs> we're we're going to let you go, okay? I hope that that's exactly how the conversation went, that, and that was the end of it. You're going to be all right, buddy boy. <laughs> all right. <laughs> Please keep that to a minimum for the rest of our podcast. Yeah, our listeners won't listen anymore. Um, so let's talk about that. What What are the chances that we actually make the playoffs. Because it's now becoming, we're still, you showed that graphic, we're still in the hunt. Yeah, the Bills are even like listed behind us as an option <laughs> in the Which, playoff hunt. Sean McDermott, man, he is a miracle worker. Yeah, you can't mm. The fact that that team is... Which, speaking of Sean McDermott, wins. did you know, this came out recently in, I can't remember where I was reading it, but that the analytics crew was pushing hard for Sean McDermott and within the Browns organization, the Browns organization. when we hired Hugh mm-hmm. and Haslam went for Hugh and pushed for Hugh and made that decision over the I would, recommendation of the analytics department. I would try, love to know like how, we how that analysis McDermott. is done to, to go. No, this coach has what it takes to be successful when they've never been a head coach before, like what data points are they pulling in to do that analysis? I'm sure there's a lot. Oh, man. Paul D. Podesta, man. You dog. No, Paul D. Podesta's name does not get mentioned enough because that's I think just cracks, what he likes. It cracks me up. But it makes me feel good about our next hire, if that's, if that's the case. Yeah. And he led that initiative. Like, Sean McDermott's the only reason the Bills haven't been the – the first pick in the draft the last two seasons. Sure. They made the playoffs last year. Sure. Well, people talk about how there's going to be others like in the brain trust making the decision and helping, you know, John Dorsey and others. And um, no one mentions Paul DePodesta's no, name. He's like and the, he's, he's like, like the, the second, second guy player. in the line. They yeah. all are like, oh, Lonzo Highsmith and, um, you know, Elliot Wolf. It's like, yeah, th- I'm sure they have like opinions, but they are not sitting like, Anywhere near the head of the table, as close as Paul D. Podesta is. Yeah, D. Podesta is like on the other side of Haslam. Yeah, like yeah, So the whole thing cracks me up um, because Highsmith and Elliot Wolf are the, like some faces you see on you know Hard Knocks and stuff, and so I think they get a little more love. Yeah. D. Podesta is just this derpy dude who yeah likes baseball. Yeah, likes football more than baseball because. He could have stayed in baseball he, for a long time. That's what he always wanted. Well, I mean, he 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 can write his ticket back to any base MLB organization. He can write his ticket to anywhere he wants now. At this point, especially, we'll see how the next two years go for the Browns, and it'll be that'll be that'll be a winning lottery ticket for him. He can go anywhere he wants in the world. Well, what will be super interesting is if if the Browns turn around and say we're like a championship contending team in the next like two years, and Paul D. Podesta is still here. How much credit will he get? Because currently he's kind of an afterthought and isn't mentioned. Like it's it's John Dorsey came in and drafted Baker Mayfield, you know? 
So it'll be interesting to see how that narrative changes, if at all, or if he's just kind of going to like fade into the distance as as a resume line. Yeah. And cash his checks from Jimmy Haslam and feel pretty good about himself. Well, because the whole analytics regime was intrinsically linked to Sashi Brown. And once he left, everyone just assumed that it was gone. But they kept everybody except yes. for Sashi. Yes. They literally kept everyone except for Sashi. That Ken Kovash guy's still there. They have all, I mean, nothing dramatically changed. Well, except for the decision maker about who's going to hire, like pick the new players oh, yeah. like Jarvis Landry and stuff like that and what we're going to sign him to. So it's a pretty big change. But yes. It's not like it was a clean sweep of Sashi Brown's people out of yes. the organization, is my point. Yes. Um, so we're, we're moving towards, we, we still technically have a chance to make the playoffs, just for hope's sake, just to enjoy the rest of this season a little bit more. What has to happen for the Browns to make the playoffs? I mean, we pretty much have to win every game. I don't Besides really. that, okay. But we still, okay. even if we win every game, we could still not make so the playoffs. If we win every game, we go nine, six, and one. Yes. Okay. I appreciate this sentiment, but we got. We do can't it. even think about this until after we beat the Texans. The Texans are a real team. They're in the middle of this whole conversation, like, and it's a complete. Absolutely. It, it means nothing. Okay. Great if answer, we can't Michael. Beat the That's Texans one thing week. that has to happen. We have to beat the Texans. All right. Let's keep going. Yeah, well, I don't really want to have this conversation until after that happens. We talked about it in the pre-production meeting that this was a conversation that we were going to have, so why are you saying this our now? Our pre-production meeting. That's what <laughs> it was. Sounds very formal. Yeah, it was. I'm trying to... <clears throat> I'm posing this, for success. Oh, well, this is hilarious. I mean, just that's my take. It's... So, it's, um... Go ahead, Matthew. So, I'm on, subject, I'm on ESPN's website <laughs> looking at the playoff standings. And ESPN currently has the Seattle Seahawks listed as the seventh team in the AFC. That's incorrect. <laughs> um, speaking of ESPN and playoff like odds, Bill Barnwell. Did you guys see Bill Barnwell's article today about the AFC playoff odds? I didn't read they it. Did, they didn't even list the Browns as an option. Of it's teams just says, that could make it's that far so, of a long shot. There's at this so point. many teams ahead of us. That's why. Like, I, it's not worth talking about until we beat a really good team like the Texans next week. That is a necessary step in us even thinking about yeah. it. We're going to have to get to 6-6-1 six, six, and one before we even routinely show up on those graphics. Um, but, yeah, I mean, we're, we're going to have to win out, which I'd, our schedule's not that tough. I mean, we've got the Houston, this Texans game this week. Carolina's coming to Cleveland. That's going to be a tough game. Every other game on our schedule. I mean, we, but the we, Broncos beat the Steelers this week, and we go there just like the Steelers just had to. The Steelers lost. Although they got a terrible break. Did you see that tight end play? Yeah. Did you see that tight end play? I he did catches not. the ball in the open field, and there's a safety coming to meet him basically at the goal line. So he goes to truck the safety, and he does truck the safety, but it was kind of weird. Like he didn't protect the ball very well. And as he's going over the line, the safety like dislodges the ball. And so, and he fumbles it out the end zone. And so it's a touchback. That is the most frustrating play in football. Right. And, there. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> Bar none. But the way the tight, the t- it was entirely the tight ends fault. Like he could have played it like a number of different ways where he could have scored or been down at the half yard line. And instead he just kind of ran the ball into the guy and fumbled. It was hilarious. But our so our schedule is interesting. Oh, 
they're showing that I, we're watching the Monday night game, and they just showed the uh, graphic of the Texans' remaining schedule, and I thought that it was a graphic of teams that are in the hunt, and I got really excited. <laughs> you got way too excited. No, our, our schedule is interesting because three of the teams that are ahead of us in the AFC standings are still remaining on our schedule. Exactly. We've got, we've got the Broncos, we've got the Bengals, and we've got the Ravens. The Ravens I'm washing off because they have to play really tough teams. Ravens have to play tough teams. The Bengals, I think, are done with Andy Dalton. And to define the tough teams that the Ravens have to play, they have to play the Chiefs and the Chargers still. And And us. (laughs) I mean, (laughs) the juggernaut. (laughs) Bring it. Um, And then we've got the Titans, who I don't believe in. The Dolphins are ahead of us. I'm not worried about them. The only team that's actually sitting ahead of us in these playoff standings that I'm actually concerned about is the Indianapolis Colts. And they're two games ahead of us at this point, and I just don't think we can catch them. Uh, the, the Colts have won like four, six straight games, something crazy like that. They're playing great. Andrew Luck is second in the NFL in touchdown passes. They're not Their killing defense teams, is playing though. good. They're not killing teams, though. And I feel like yeah, a but, significant injury or something like I think that the tide sure, could turn in happen. the other. I think the tide could turn in the other direction quite easily. Yeah, because they're if they were like destroying teams, I would agree with you. They are winning. That's a. I I'm I'm concerned. I agree. I think they're the definitely they're they're the team that you have to like overcome. If correct, if we could win all of our games and still miss the playoffs if the Colts take care of their own business. So this is what the Colts have. They play all their AFC South opponents. So they play the Jags, they play the Titans again, and they play the uh, Texans Texans one more time. And then they play the Giants. So are the Jags going to beat them? Are the Titans going to beat them? Are the Texans going to beat them? The Giants probably aren't. Do they still have a bye week? um, I, I agree with you. No, they have five. They have five more games. Oh, sorry. There's, there's one more in there. They play the Cowboys, the Cowboys. Yeah, that's not a tough schedule. Which, yeah, I mean, they can go three and two there. They end up nine and seven. We would, we would. I feel like every single one of those teams we is would in win. the same pool. Yeah, they're if all. They, if they lose two of those games, yeah, we but would we absolutely it. have to win. We absolutely have to win. Absolutely out. have to win out. Right. Yes, to have a chance. Which is so freaking frustrating because we beat the damn Raiders. Oh, oh yeah, we beat the Raiders. Yep. I mean, we lost the Raiders, but we beat the Raiders. No, we beat the Raiders. Yeah, no, we did. You're not wrong. You're not wrong. Ugh. All right. All right. Hopefully, we get to keep talking about this and all the losses that are going to fall directly into place as we beat the Texans next week. Um, so, we like to pick the primetime games every week. We had a pretty contentious debate while Michael was out of town. Um, and I was uh, right. Over last week, Michael was right, he says. Um, and so we pick the lines every week. We compete. Um, we keep track. Michael has a little nifty Excel spreadsheet that he likes to reference to. Um, so how did it go last week, Michael? I mean, I specifically made the point, the, the strongest point I made last week that was in, uh, was directly against what you guys were saying was that Mitchell Trubisky being out was not going to make a difference. And that proved to be true you kind of laughed at me and said, well, we'll look back at this next week. And looking back at this next week, I was right. So I just need to point that out. Um, Matthew had a clean um, losing streak on Thanksgiving Day. 
did Woo! not pick one game correctly. Still a, still a good day. Matthew's sitting He's pretty fast. Driving himself <laughs> further into the cellar. I think I'm statistically eliminated. Already. No, I think you are. Mm-hmm. Right, just about. Now, I mean, if I completely missed every game, that's true. But we're both such big Browns homers that we're going to pick the same side of that. So if that's the case, um, it's going to be hard. To, I'm going to have to start with a nuclear option and just pick <laughs> everything that Michael doesn't. <laughs> Too bad I make you pick the games first. Um, that's bullcrap. So, anyways. I'm still winning. Mark's in second, but it's not particularly close. And then Matthew's way behind in third. Um, Our games this week, Thursday night, New Orleans is heading to Dallas, and the Saints are favored by seven. I think this is pretty easy. I think we're all going to pick New Orleans. I'm at least picking New Orleans. So I'll let you keep going. Mark? New Orleans. Okay. Um, I don't see how you justify picking Dallas. That well, we all the last last week Dallas we played all, well on Thanksgiving. We we trashed <laughs> we, on Dallas. I know, but and they New, had Orleans, a good game. New Orleans has been killing everybody. Yeah, New Orleans is a t- totally different beast. We all picked against Dallas last week too, <laughs> and we lost that that pick. So there is that. Um, the next game Sunday night. This got flexed to Sunday night. Um, is the Chargers going to Pittsburgh? Pittsburgh favored by three. Um, Mark, you pick this one first. I'm going to take the Chargers. Um, Pittsburgh losing that game was a surprise to me. Um, but the Chargers have played very clean football all throughout the year. They have not misstepped at all. And this is They went down 10-0 this week and then put up 45 points after that. Yeah. And this That's is a big game. Phillip Rivers, they went down 10-0 with Phillip Rivers' line without an incompletion. Yeah. yeah. That's crazy. I did, I did, I did not see the highlights zero. of that game. Um, but, yeah, no, I like the Chargers a lot, and um, I love picking against the Steelers. I'm going to go Chargers. Matthew? I got to go to the Chargers. The Ooh. Chargers are so good. Um, and I know Melvin Gordon's probably going to be out for this game, but I just can't take take the Chargers plus the points. Um, <laughs> Joey Bosa's back. That defense is looking better. Derwin James is good. Like, I, and I don't think the Steelers are as good as their record because they've, they've won these close games. They've kind of squeaked it out. I'm not going to give the Steelers that benefit of the doubt here, even though they're at home. Yeah, I think this game could go either way. I feel so much better about the team. So the make it interesting. Have. Yeah, Mark's trying to get me to mix it up for the sake of entertainment value, but my competitive juices are um, going to win out, and I'm going to pick the Chargers. Boo. We're, we're, we're going to all pick the same teams this week, which Boo. means Matthew's not going to lose. I'm not going to lose. You're just not going to get any further behind. Well, that's you're, that's you're, what you mean. You're going to lose the competition if <laughs> that's what we do. I know, so, um, I know, but every other week I fall further behind. Than <laughs> this week I so, But let's talk about this game. So we're playing the Texans. We're going to Houston, which nice thing is, is they're playing on Monday night. So they have a short week. I like that. They don't travel anywhere. But this Texans team, bad offensive line. Deshaun Watson gets hurt all the time. That's really the only real weakness I think you can point out on this team. The defense is pretty good. I guess the secondary is not fantastic. They're solid. Their D-line's good. Their D-line's phenomenal. Their linebackers are pretty good. Yeah. The defense has been playing real well for the Texans. Um, It's going to be an interesting game. We need our defense to step up and make some plays in this game, um, I think, to be in it. 
Miles Garrett, Emmanuel Ogba, Ogunjobi have to make some plays in this game because if we don't exploit their one significant weakness, like I just, I think um, we're going to be in for a long day. Um, but I think that's definitely possible. I like I like having to count on that part of our team. I think Greg is going to have to be a little bit more aggressive um, going into this game, and we'll see what happens. Yeah. DeAndre Hopkins scares the crap out of me. That is like the one. Yeah, Denzel Ward's got him. That he's, guy is he's small. So DeAndre good. Hopkins catches every. I, I just Denzel Ward's got it. I he's fun. I don't doubt DeAndre that Hopkins. DeAndre Hopkins well. is not fast though, which which plays in Denzel Ward's favor because Denzel Ward will be able to be on him. He does catch everything, but Denzel Ward will be on him. And their defensive line scares me. Jadavian Clowney and J.J. Watt. Yeah, I'm scared With for our, our tackles, like we've had to kind of hide our tackles a little bit, um, and we're going to have to do everything we possibly can to k- keep that up. But Kitchens has proven that he can create offensive packages that are going to keep Baker Mayfield safe and still get people open at the same time. He'll have extra tight ends packed in there. He'll have people in the backfield that can pass protect. I feel good about that. So um, this game is Cleveland at Houston with the Texans favored by five. I'm going to go with the Browns. I feel good. We've got this momentum going, and I think we'll at least cover. The only teams we've lost to by more than five this season are the Chiefs, the Steelers, and the Chargers. I just don't think the Texans are on the level of the Chiefs, the Steelers, or the Chargers. So I have to think that we're going to keep it close. We're playing the best football that we've played all season. Um, we're healthy. I, I, I have to take the Browns. I mean, if, if we're not going to be able to do it now, when are we going to be able to do it? Yeah, I agree. I don't Mark, pick. come on, uh, mix it up a little bit, Mark. I don't pick against the Browns. How dare you ask me to do that? <laughs> How dare you? No, I'm going with the Browns. Let's go. Three for three. This Clean is the sweet. first time that's ever happened. Brothers brothers think alike. Brothers united. <laughs> All right, guys. Thanks so much for listening. We appreciate you. Um, be sure to interact with us on Twitter, at Sin of Our Fathers. Um, send us an email if you got something you'd like us to talk about. Uh, we check it sometimes. And uh, we'll be sure to add that into the podcast if you have something interesting. Um, we appreciate all of you guys, especially our Tokyo listeners. Um, And we'll see you guys next week after that Texans victory. Go Browns. Go Browns.